Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Mike, I like that. I like that idea. Good vibes. All right, we are uh, live on Red vs. Blue. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Red vs. Blue High Stakes Fantasy Friday Night Football. Wherever you may be, thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of High Stakes Fantasy Football. As always, joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mikey, the Louisville Cardinals pulled off one of the best runs in college basketball we've seen in quite a while. 16 games straight after the five-overtime defeat to Notre Dame. They came back. They won their last few games. They went into the Big East tournament, won the Big East tournament, was the number one seed overall. You've heard this all before. And they are the national champions, thanks to Cool Hand Luke and the entire team, Mikey. It's a great feeling. We were out in the streets. We cut the nets down. It was the best moment uh, I've had since my kids were born. You know what? Congratulations. It it, it was awesome. Uh, I mean. Did I lose you, Mike? 
being a Kentucky fan, I, I'm just so happy that they uh, that they won it. Uh, they deserved it. They deserved every bit of it. Uh, I'm not talking about the streak that they went on because you know that was kind of that was kind of hidden. The fact that uh, they went into this tournament uh, knowing what they had to do. Every single guy on that team stepped up. That's why I was like the We Are Family because you know let's face it, Russ Smith. He played a horrific game in the national championship, but you know what? Others stepped up. They continue to step up. I, it's been a long time since I've seen a guy like uh, Shane Mahanan play like the way he played in that national championship game, along with uh, Luke Hancock. I mean, it was awesome performance. Absolutely, Mike. Uh, the Red vs. Blue Show this week sponsored by V2 Sigs. Your life version 2.0 upgrade to smoke free vapor mike gotta give this a shot before it's too late uh we we are uh streaming live on blog talk radio on itunes you can download the podcast on your mp3 player or your ipod and uh mike this uh this is the red versus blue show we're going to talk to Vinny farah tonight uh one of the participants in the fantasy or the dynasty world championship uh hosted by the fftoolbox.com uh, we're going to talk to Vinny tonight and, you know, find out what's going on there, man. The, it's the quest for the crown. It's the first Dynasty King, 144 teams. Uh, there's just a couple of spots left. We, you know, we, obviously there were some signups there that were trying to come in from some restricted states, which, look, we would love to be able to do that. I did post a thread about it on the boards. In fantasy, you have to there, – there are still rules that are that – are, that are, uh, some of these states are still living in the, the dinosaur age, man, the uh, prehistoric age, and it, yeah. it's unfortunate. Because uh, we would like nothing more than to bring players in from all the land. Because fantasy football, we feel, is a is a a game of skill. But there are a, a few states. We're down to five now uh, that we really have to uh, worry about. Maryland is now off this uh, back on the shelf. Uh, I'm sorry, we're at six now because Maryland's back on the shelf. We are okay in Maryland, but if you're a resident of Arizona, Iowa, Louisiana, Montana, Vermont, or Washington, the state of Washington. Uh, unfortunately, you're not eligible to play in uh, pay fantasy yeah. tournaments. Scott, I, you know, just to uh, let everybody understand, how does that happen? Is it uh, the uh, state attorney general, or why aren't those states allowed? Well, it's it's look, we're still uh, we're still a nation, uh, you know, that governed by state laws, and so each state looks at. These uh, these games differently, and uh, most of the states have have came on board and said that uh, look, fantasy sports is a game of skill. Some people, some states, just don't want that element. Don't want the element of people losing money uh, in their state. They uh, these states in particular: Arizona, Iowa, Louisiana, Montana, Vermont, and Washington. Uh, these are these are states that have an issue uh, with people uh, losing money. And uh, so what's happened in a couple of rulings in the past is, you know, some guys have played it from those states in some contests that uh, they, you know, at the end of the day, the states frown upon. And then what ends up happening is one of the guys will, uh, he'll lose. And, you know, what will he do? He'll, uh, he'll, <laughs> he'll go to his state and say, hey, this, this contest took my money. I'm not allowed to play, you know, and they won't give me my money back, you know. And uh, then they end up, uh, those contests end up getting in trouble by those states and get a, you know, a slap on the wrist and uh, tell you not to do it again or to get a little bit more severe. And some of these states are using very strong language 
that we're, uh, we're we've got to be very careful with, and, and you know we have a couple of groups that look out for that. Uh, the FSTA, they're they're looking out for the industry uh, with, with with regards to that, and, and you know look, players have to be careful too. So I'd love to I'd love to be able to uh, get into it more. We can do that. That's another show. But the Dynasty Football World Championship is closing in, Mike. We're closing in on the 144 team mark. I think we're at 142 teams, technically 143 on the message board that have signed up. There's a couple there that aren't going to be able to play, so we will have some spots to fill. Go ahead and get it now. You can go to DynastyKing.com, and you can click the link, and you can get signed up because they're not going to last now, obviously. We're in the last couple of hours here before these spots are gone. And, Mike, we want to have these drafts right after the NFL draft. So our target date is April 29th. And we're going to announce the draft spots and the league assignments right here on Red vs. Blue, either the 19th or the 26th of April, whichever one we can pull it off. If we can pull it off by the 19th, we're going to do it. Uh, if not, we will uh, we will be announcing that live on the air on the 26th, uh, right before the NFL draft starts on Friday night. Well, it starts that's, on Thursday night. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome, Scott. Uh, and you know that price point of uh, 299, right at 300, is. Uh, I mean that that's a perfect spot where you want to be. Um, you know, I think you got such a tremendous outpouring of uh, people that want to be into it uh, right from the get go. So, you know, get that draft done, get that NFL draft done, and next thing you know, I mean, dynasty. That's what it's all about when it comes to uh, the NFL draft and coordinate it all together, and then you can have those drafts together. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Again, our host, our, our guest tonight is Vinny Farah, uh, throwing his hat into the ring uh, to be the first Dynasty King. We're going to talk to him and find out what it takes uh, to be uh, a, a Dynasty winner. That's uh, that's really at the end of the day what everybody's trying to figure out. Uh, we're going to start with the NFL news right now. The Bengals did re-sign Bernard Scott. Look, tearing your ACL is never good for an athlete. It's really bad timing if it occurs as you as you head into free agency. That's what happened with Bernie Scott. He played in just two games before he tore his left ACL in October. So not a big story there, Mike, but it is kind of an indication. Look, they've got Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. They're bringing in Bernie Scott. Maybe they that's the one veteran that they decided to bring back. Uh, I thought they might be making a play at a couple of other guys. I know um, Ahmad Bradshaw was still on the, on the fence there, maybe going to go for a visit in Cincinnati, but uh, – Maybe Bernie Scott is going to continue to be the Bengals' change of pace running back, and, and there's really it's it's really a non-fantasy story. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's not going to make that much of an impact uh, because they're going to keep on uh, doing doing what they need to do with the uh, wide receivers, and uh, so I, I just uh, you know I, I don't think it's that big a deal, but you, you know you never know. I mean. Uh, we do uh, want to talk about um, we're going to talk about the Maurice Jones Drew uh, story that we we talked about at the top of the the show that where we're going to take an inside look at where he's being drafted right now and 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 why the comparisons are pretty strong uh, with Adrian Peterson from last year and and we're going to take a look and see if there's any validity in that could MJD be this year's Adrian Peterson and we're we're going to take a strong look into that and dig into that there's a kid by the name of Joe Morgan Mike before I get there. Yeah. And before we bring on Vinny, Joe Morgan from New Orleans is being named a potential breakout fantasy player because, well, number one, look, you play for New Orleans and you play for Drew Brees. Number two, you've got two wide receivers in front of you that I could see missing time next year. Marquez Colston and Lance Moore, right? Lance Moore is obviously known to miss time. Marquez Colston 
getting up there a little bit older, and he's and he has the chronic knee issues that we're all aware well aware of. And look, this kid Joe Morgan, he showed he could make some big plays last year. There were a couple of games in a row there where he was pulling off the Chris Gibbons types catches, right? The 30 yarders, the 40 yarders, the 80 yarder. Uh, he had two games in week 14 and 15 where he had uh, 100 yards and a 60-yard catch and a touchdown. So this kid, Joe Morgan, um, they, they, it was it was Nakia Hogan of the New Orleans Times. He wrote a piece Thursday that centered around Morgan preparing for a much larger role in the Saints offense. Now, that's what I like to hear, especially in a draft master format. So if you've taken a – let's say if you've taken a Marquez Colston, right, and you've uh, you started off your draft, and you, you've got uh, you've got your wide receivers, uh, and you take Colson as like a wide receiver three, which I'd feel pretty good about that in a draft master. So maybe he's my fifth guy off the board in the fifth round. You take a Marquez Colson late, late in the draft. Instead of grabbing a Lance Moore, why don't you wait a little bit longer and take a Joe Morgan? Because a, let's face it, a number three in New Orleans at worst is not a bad draft master player, Mike. No, I wouldn't think so. I mean, Joe Morgan, he's going to be a nice player, uh, but after this show, uh, he's going to move up the charts quite a bit. <laughs> well, 6-1, a uh, couple of years' experience in the pros, hasn't really done much, so we'll have to see. I'd like to get some of the, the real uh, guru guys, the guys that study these players a little bit, and tell us what they know about Joe Morgan. I'm more of a what I've seen him produce is kind of what I know, what what I you know what I've seen him do, and he's caught a couple of big balls and some big games for the Saints. So that's kind of what I watch. This Patriots Gronkowski story, Mike. I don't know how many more wow. times. I don't know how many more times or how many more problems a guy can have with his forearm. I mean, yeah. have you ever seen this before? Somebody having this many problems with a forearm? No, man. This 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 is nuts. I mean, you know, I I heard him being interviewed. Uh, on a, on a show uh, about a month ago, and he was asked, quote, how's your forearm? How you feel? I feel great. Of course, he's going to say that, but I feel great. Uh, things look uh, good for next year and blah, 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 this and that. Next thing you know, infection. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. So I I don't know what's going on. Uh, to be honest with you, I hate to say this, but as of April 12th, I'm staying away from Gronk. Well, and understandably so, Mike. It's not a – everybody hates taking risks uh, in fantasy drafts, especially the more money you spend. It's a very uh, – you know, it's, look, it's a risky proposition to take a guy like uh, Rob Gronkowski when there's very good other options at other positions on the board. Now, at some point, it becomes something that you just have to go ahead and do. You have to bite the bullet and take a Rob Gronkowski as he goes into the draft. But I'm not so sure I know where that number is for me, Mike. Uh, right. We've seen several drafts going off right now. I'm involved in a draft master, and I, I'm taking it. Uh, I'm taking it easy. But Jimmy Graham went at 111 in that draft as the top tight end off the board. Now, look, that's a little high for any any tight end. But Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski didn't go till the fourth round at four four. Now, okay, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. Did yeah. he go before Tony Gonzalez? Yes. Okay, well, I would like to compare uh, Tony Gonzalez and Rob Gronkowski right now. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, it was uh, Rob, Rob Gronkowski went at 4-4. Tony Gonzalez went at 4-12. And, look, there's no questioning what Gronk can do when he's on the field. The question is, 
what is he worth to you when he's off the field? And that's nothing. I mean, right. the player is just not worth anything to you when he's on your bench. Uh, a draft master format, maybe you can sacrifice a little bit more because you don't have to worry about the week-to-week. You can start any player. So you gobble up on a couple of tight ends late in the draft that maybe uh, can replace him. You know, maybe you take a, a shot on a New England uh, on a New England tight end other than Hernandez because you're not going to spend another pick on a Hernandez. He's a fifth-round pick right now uh, at 5'7". So, uh, look, again, the players you have to pass up are, are – yeah. Larry Fitzgerald, Victor Cruz. Uh, I would rather have uh, take a shot on those guys. Look, there's there's no injury situation going in, right? Uh, right. David Wilson gets his chance. Now, let me ask you that. Look, you're in yeah. a draft, and David Wilson is on the board, or you can take Rob Gronkowski with all these issues. Now, there's nothing. There's there's no telling. Now that you know, look, it is a slow time. And there's not a lot going on. We we do get a lot of these stories, but he's been battling an infection in that forearm for months, and surgeons won't be able to go back into this arm and insert a new metal plate to hold it together until the infection clears. So, I mean, once the new plate's installed, he'll need 10 weeks to recover from that. Yeah. It's almost... It, it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good if you're a Gronkowski owner, uh, you know... Uh, from a dynasty standpoint, I mean, it just doesn't. But the guy's a beast. Uh, can he recover quickly? He can probably recover a lot quicker than others. Uh, so he might be he might be good for you in uh, November, December. But uh, right now, I, I just don't. I just question what what's going to happen. I mean, who they signed? What was the other tight end they signed? Oh, uh, we'll have to ask the chat room. Uh, wasn't it Ballard? Didn't they? Didn't they? Didn't they sign Ballard from the Giants? I think so. I don't. I don't have yeah. the depth chart in front of me, but yeah. Uh, you know, this is the thing. We're, training camp for the Patriots is about 15 weeks away, so we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this. It look the, the Gronkowski stories and the RG3 stories, just like Brian Murphy said on our on our news uh, channel uh, on FFToolbox.com. Look, they're going to continue to go up and up and up. That's all everybody's going to be talking about. Where to draft RG3? Where to draft Rob Gronkowski? Because if they play, you're going to get them in at an extreme value. Uh, and and that'll be, that'll be, that could be a big decision maker for you and, and potentially a huge money maker. Mike, let's go ahead and bring in our guest for this evening, Vinny Farah from the 412. Vinny, can you hear me? Uh, can you guys hear me? I'm, I'm loud and clear. Loud and clear here. Well, Vinny, welcome to your uh, first appearance, hopefully of, of many here on Red vs. Blue. Thanks for coming on and, and talking to the talking to us about uh, this Dynasty Football World Championship that you so eagerly jumped into, and, and you're one of the first 144 taking a crack at this quest for the crown here. Talk to me about, uh, well, first of all, how you heard about us uh, and what uh, what is appealing about this contest that made you want to jump in. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, uh, I heard about the contest from... Uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, of course. I'm always on there checking all the different articles, seeing what's going on. Uh, and I saw the link that they uh, actually posted, and I checked it out, and I said, you know, this this looks really interesting. I think this is a, a great concept. I think it's a great idea. And I think so far uh, that you guys have done a great job with it. And I'm absolutely, I'm thrilled, very excited to get into this and get going. Vinny Ferrer is our guest. He's thrown his hat into the ring for the Dynasty Football World Championship. A couple spots left. You can go to DynastyKing.com for more information. Vinny, 
uh, as we look at this, uh, the reason, one of the big reasons why we brought Dynasty League Football in is obviously they they produce excellent content for the Dynasty community. We absolutely love it and, and cherish it as as Dynasty players. We're going there. We're trying to get engaged on the message boards and look at the rankings and pick the guys apart on the podcast and just really just soak it in, right? Dynasty is just so addicting. But we thought that it would be very wise to do so because we're introducing Dynasty to a bunch of high-stakes redrafters that, you know, they've been putting money on the table, 1500 2000 Some of these guys put, you know, we know Chad Schroeder been on our show many, many times. He puts 25000 5000 10000 on a redraft table. So talk to me a little bit about the differences between redraft and dynasty and what, what you've experienced. Absolutely. I mean, the, the two formats, uh, anybody that's only ever done a redraft league, the first time they get into a dynasty, it might uh, – it might shock them a little bit. You know, it's it's very, very different. At least it was for me the first time I did it. Uh, Dynasty for me was really, it was a way to bridge the gap between, you know, the Super Bowl and the start of training camps, the start of the regular season. I was in, you know, a bunch of redraft leagues, really competitive redraft leagues, you know, and then leagues with, you know, just people that I was friends with or friends and family. But once the Super Bowl came around and once, you know, football season was over, that was it. There was no fantasy football talk. There was no uh, no worries about who was going where and offensive coordinators maybe changing, head coaches maybe changing, the rookies, the whole thing. There was no no player chatter and nobody talking about it. And that really kind of depressed me a little bit because I love fantasy football. I always love to stay, you know, try and stay one or two steps ahead of everybody else that I play in redraft with. And Dynasty was kind of a way for me to be with 11 other owners or however many owners in the league, that take it as seriously as I do and that follow it every single day of the entire year, not just the six-month football season, but the entire 12 months, 365 days of the year. I think Dynasty is much more rewarding uh, at the end of the year. When you look at a team that you've crafted from scratch, really, over a couple years, uh, and you finally get that team to the championship game, maybe you win, maybe you lose, it's just it's a much more rewarding experience because you almost have a a connection to the players that you draft and that you trade for. And I think it's really a more rewarding format than regular redraft. And I prefer dynasty much, much more actually. Well, Benny, uh, you know, if you don't mind me saying, I, I really enjoy uh, uh, what you just said right there. It, 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 there is a connection, so to speak, but uh, in dynasty, there is, there's really not a connection. Uh, the reason I say that is because I've been, you know, I, I'm connected with uh, three or four dynasty teams, and uh, you know, after you have that redraft, I mean, it, it's it's a fun deal because I'm not too bad of a redrafter. But then it's that finding that right spot, that perfect time where you have to let your favorite one go over and over again, and to uh, you know refurbish and get your new guys in there. So. Uh, you know what I'm saying. What, what I'm asking you is, uh, when's that? When's that fine time to do it? I mean, because it's been so hard for me. Well, I mean, absolutely. If you look at any player, so say, uh, say since he was drafted as a rookie, you've had Adrian Peterson on your team, and he was producing for you all those years as a top five back, year in and year out. Last year, going into last year, once he tore his ACL, that would be uh, the exact time not to sell on him because his uh, his value was as low as it was ever going to be. Uh, you had to sit tight. You had to wait for him to produce. 
And now that he's come up and come nine yards shy of the single season rushing record, his value is as high as it's ever going to be. I've seen mock drafts for Dynasty where he's gone number one overall. As a 28-year-old running back, he's gone number one overall. And I think now if he happens to be one of those players, that would be the perfect time to sell him for all he's worth and maybe get some more youth on your team, some draft picks and stuff like that. It's all about measuring value, what the value, the people in your league, what they think of value and when they think the value is highest. And that's really the best time to sell any player, not just someone coming off a huge season like Adrian Peterson, but anybody that has their value as high as it's going to be. Uh, That's unfortunately as attached to a player as you can be. That's when you have to kind of cut ties and work towards the future. Vinny Farah is our is our guest tonight on the Red vs. Blue podcast here. We're talking about the Dynasty Football World Championship and the basic concepts of Dynasty uh, for the players who haven't tried Dynasty or are still trying it and trying to perfect this thing. As I look at Dynasty, dude, I, I tell you, I think there's a, a couple of main concepts, and, and you touched on a couple of them, Vin, here. One is trading, right? You have to be able to trade. you got to be able to buy low and sell high. Those are a couple of basic concepts. We always talk about that. It's very hard to do because of the emotional attachment that I get to players and that I see and observe everybody gets to the players. It's almost like because he's on my team, he, his, his value automatically is a little higher than it should be if I'm, if I'm looking at this name on somebody else's roster, right? I mean, there's a little bit of an emotional attachment. The second thing I, I think of when I think of Dynasty and the Challenge is the age and the youth battle. The age versus youth, and you could call this performance uh, now versus upside later type uh, the war that always goes on in your head. And, and you're trying to balance your team. I see it too many times, dude. I see, I see these guys that I've been playing with for years in different leagues, and I see them always drafting so young that they're always uh, chasing the uh, building for next year, building for next year, building for two years. And they never get out of that because they just can't find a way to get that middle ground, so to speak. So which one do you think is more important, the team construction or just being able to trade and, and, and wheel and deal? Well, I think that's a great a great way to look at it. And you kind of have to – you almost have to feel for your league. So uh, for the Dynasty Football World Championship, there's going to be 12 leagues of 12. If you happen to get into a league, uh, you know, say with a couple owners that maybe they're not as avid traders as I am or, you know, maybe they don't want to wheel and deal or they don't want to try and improve their draft position or anything like that, then maybe you have to be more careful about the guys that you draft. Maybe you have to draft a little younger because you're not going to be able to trade your older guys and get younger players because not all the owners are willing to trade. Now, if you happen to get into a a league and – in the first five minutes of being in the league, there's uh, six emails sent out about guys that want to trade draft positions and move up and move down. Then maybe you think that you're going to be able to trade a little bit more. You're going to be have a little bit more freedom uh, to get guys that you like. Uh, if someone happens to draft someone that you really like, say the pick or two before you, you'll be able to go to that owner and you'll be able to may, maybe offer him up someone that he was looking at and trade for him and get one of those guys. So it, it really is, it goes, it's on a league to league basis. I'm in the one league where there was over a hundred trades made uh, last season alone. And then I was in uh, another league where there was barely any trades made last season. So it's, it, you have to, you have to get a feel for your league, the owners in your league. And most importantly, you have to trust yourself and your own evaluations of the players. If you believe a guy can be top five at the position, Go get that guy. But if you think a guy's overhyped and he's 
you know, not going to produce as well as everybody else thinks he is, then you have to stick to your guns, and you have to believe that. And that's the only way that you're going to be able to go forward. Mike, bra- hey, hey, bravo, Vinny. Mike, I know you're impressed. This is the first time Vinny's been on the show. But right there, what you touched on, I'm telling you, is dynasty intelligence. Because, look, he's talking about, Mike, did you hear what he just said? He's talking about while you're drafting the, and you're on the clock and you're watching the draft unfold after the first round and you're seeing how many trades are coming in, it's affecting his draft strategy because now he knows how active these these guys are, how willing they are going to be to trade, and perhaps, you know what, he doesn't want to get stuck with an older player. Well, you have to know the league, too, and, you know, know the guys in the league, and and that makes uh, perfect sense. You know, I mean that. I mean that. that that's awesome. You know, I, I was sitting here while I was listening to uh, Vinny talking about it. You know, I I don't know. Uh, I don't know where the best route to take as far as an owner is. Is it trading or drafting? Mike, you know, Mike, can, can you can you just admit you were sitting there watching baseball? What game is on right now? Go ahead and tell America what game you're watching. Uh, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. That that's the uh, that's the horn that's the buzzer meter here on Red vs. Blue, Mike. What is the what is the buzzer meter got you at now? From a, on a scale of one to ten, where are you at? That's a fly ball on the left. <laughs> a, a solid eight. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an F seven in baseball world. F seven, okay, F seven, gotcha. All right, Vinny Farah is our guest uh, with our resident uh, alcoholic Michael Trent. Uh, we have. Uh, we're, we're talking about the dynasty concept and what's what's uh, how, how to how to take a, a unique approach to dynasty when you've only played in redraft in the past. And I know there's some people in the chat room that can appreciate that. Codecracker is watching the game as well, Mike. Uh, he says it's deep, it's fair, it's out of here. Uh, unless he's talking about you and uh, your your uh, sobriety. Uh, so Vinny, look, there's another there's another angle here that I that I kind of uh, want to take the approach here, and I want to talk about the rookie picks. And a lot of times, uh, I've had a, I've had a guest on here before that that he kind of taught me this as I watched him and observed what he did. But he accumulates a lot of rookie picks, and he does this strategically. He starts to take a look at through the first four or five rounds how each team has constructed their team, and he starts to formulate his opinions. He always described this little cheat sheet to me where he ranks everybody one to twelve, and as the draft's going on, he's constantly moving these teams. 1 through 12, based on how strong he feels the team is, and he pounces on the, the draft picks of the players that he thinks are going to be the weakest teams because they will have likely have the highest-valued rookie pick before anybody else knows it. Talk a little bit about that and if you've, if, if you've applied some strategy similar. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great strategy. Uh, you have to – when you're doing that and you're, you're looking at – now, fantasy football – Maybe uh, the one the one sport more than any where luck uh, can affect you from year to year. So while that that is a, a good strategy and something I've actually looked at uh, before, the team that you rank 12 could very well be in the playoffs with you know a little luck to one of their starting guys sure. breaking out or something like that happening. So you can only put so much stock into a strategy like that. But when you have draft picks and you accumulate a lot of draft picks like he did, and I think that's a great idea you can use them to trade at the most optimum time. So as all this hype for the combine is coming up, uh, people are watching the combine, they're watching 
you know, Tavon Austin, he's running his 40, and they're watching the quarterbacks, Geno Smith. Everybody's getting real excited because no one knows who these players are. No one's ever seen them play pro ball. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're coming in. They're going to be on new teams. It's going to breathe new, light, new life into these organizations that they're going to come into. The hype starts to get up, and people who don't have a high rookie pick, maybe someone who has, you know, the 1-9 or the 110, they're starting to think, Maybe I should trade up for one of those those higher picks. So the closer to the draft you get, the more those picks, the more value those picks are going to have. And if you have a lot of picks like that guy did that you were just talking about, you can swing them for already proven value uh, at the different positions. And I think the more rookie picks you have, the better off you are uh, to do that, or to just draft the rookies yourself. So either way, I think that's that's definitely a viable strategy. Vinny Farah is our guest, uh, one of the participants in this year's Dynasty Football World Championship. Vinny, there's another uh, strategy that I'd like to discuss as well, and that's the ever-changing value of the rookie picks. Some years, the rookie pick is a monster. Uh, Trent Richardson coming out, uh, the year Steven Jackson came out, the year Adrian Peterson, maybe the year Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, obviously, um, those types of players have an extreme value in redra in in your maiden startup draft to where you know not only are they the number one pick overall in the rookie draft, but their value is pretty darn high in a rook in in a redraft. I'm sorry, in the maiden startup draft. And so you know, for example, I was really high on Job at Best. I, I kind of ignored the injury concerns. I wasn't really worried about that. And I think I took him two two in a startup rook in, in a startup maiden draft. And so. This year, it appears to me that I'm seeing these guys like Eddie Lacy, uh, the, who's arguably the number one rookie pick right now, and, and you're free, free to disagree or not. I understand your uh, respect your privacy when it comes to strategy here. But Eddie Lacy appears to be a, a middle fourth round pick. So talk about that a little bit this year, what you're seeing with the rookies and, and just how valuable they are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you uh, Eddie Lacy is a I – mean, Absolutely, he's a he was a phenomenal player at Alabama. I think he had over his career something like a six point six seven yards per carry average. I mean that's just that's phenomenal. So his value, whatever it is, it's definitely being inflated by over the past couple of seasons. You've seen guys like Trent Richardson. You've seen last season Doug Martin. Uh, you know you've seen these guys come out of out of the rookie draft and be not only good producers, they've been, you know, Doug Martin was top five at his position last year. So Eddie Lacy's value, whatever it may be, is being inflated a little bit by these previous, you know, these really successful drafts. So I think I think Lacey's going to be a great player. I think depending on the situation, he can be a workhorse back. But if you have the 1-1 one, one, and someone's really, you know, offering you some good some good value for it because they think Lacey is in the same mold as a Trent Richardson or a Doug Martin, you can use that to your advantage and you can maybe get more than what you feel the pick is worth. So it all, the the previous drafts over the, over the past couple of years, they're going to swing the value either way. So it's just going to be up to you as an owner to try and figure out what that value is and how you can best apply it to your team. Code Cracker has a question for you in the chat room, Vinny. He says, in a startup dynasty draft like this Dynasty World Championship, would Vince lean towards vets a bit to maybe win early over the guys who always value youth, you know, and looking uh, and to, to maybe get that early return is what he says, early returns. Well, I think uh, 
it, that that kind of depends. It depends a little bit on you know what pick you have. So if you have a pick, uh, you know, in the top three or top four, you're going to be able to do a little bit of both. You know, if you take a guy like AJ Green, he's 24 years old. He's you know pretty much at the top of his position right now, and he's going to be there, you know, barring some horrible injury for the next several years. So you're putting yourself in a position to win now and win later. Now, if you're a later pick, say you're, you know, 10 or 11, you might be forced to go with one of the guys that's maybe a little older or maybe one of the less proven guys. It all depends on your draft strategy. So I would say I'm going to go in the first couple rounds, I want to go safe. I don't want to be drafting anybody with my first, second, or third pick that has a lot of question marks, you know, that's coming off a huge injury. We don't know what they're going to be or we don't know if they're going to get back to their regular levels. You can't lose. I mean, you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can definitely lose it. Uh, and I've seen that many, many times in dynasty and redraft leagues alike. Guys reach for a player that had one good season, or he's you know primed for a breakout, and it never comes through. So I say safety, absolutely, at the first in the first couple rounds. Uh, and as young as you can get without compromising your team. I mean, we all want to win for the future, but it'd be nice to put a little cash in our pockets in the next couple of years instead of waiting all that time for something that may never happen. Uh, that's a good point. And Mike, Mike, are you, can you still hear me, bud? Or, or is the buzzer meter taking over? Mikey. All right. Well, uh, Vinny, we lost Mike. This is a uh, typical on red versus blue to lose Mikey, uh, <laughs> especially on a baseball night. But I want to take the um, – uh, uh, there, is, there is a little bit of uh, – you touched on one thing that I always see happen, and that, that is usually – look, there is a little bit of random luck of the draw when it comes to Dynasty, right? I mean, for the guys that get the top picks, if they if you're so fortunate to get a top pick – and this is like redraft too. I mean, everybody kind of feels like there's a little bit of an edge to the top pick, but, you know, it doesn't make or break a draft. But somebody's got to get the top pick, and, and when you do – a real savvy dynasty guy, he's going to try to milk that early pick as much as he can, right? I mean, he's going to try to trade down from 1-1 one, one to 1-3 one, if he can, and maybe to 1-5 and pick up a little value somewhere else, maybe to, maybe in the eighth round and try to go down to 1-10. Do you, do you find that happens in startup dynasty drafts? Oh, absolutely. I think I think uh, more so, and that happens more so in dynasty than redraft, actually, because you have guys that, you know, they see the 1-1 one, one and they think, you know, oh, my God, Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green, Trent Richardson, whoever their first pick may be, this guy can be my starter and a top-five player in the league, not just for this year, but for the next five, seven, eight years. So they see that 1-1 one, one or that 1-2, and it has so much value, especially to someone that's sitting in, you know, maybe the 10th or 11th slot. They're They're looking at all the players that they're not going to have a shot at because, they're going to see them go one after the other. So that that pick has if a first, you know, top three pick has so much value and has more value to other people. There's I know certain guys that hate having the one one because they don't want to put all that pressure on their first player that they draft and they don't draft again for another twenty three or twenty four picks. So it has an enormous amount of value and that's kind of goes back to what I said earlier. You kinda of have to gauge your league and you have to see if there's offers coming in and you can move from the one one to the one six and maybe there's, you know, five or six guys that you feel you'd be okay with in the first round 
and you can pick up another pick, maybe in a fourth round or something like that, you absolutely pull that trigger and you do that because you're not only going to make your team better, you're taking a pick away from another owner and giving him less of a chance to improve his squad over the long run. So you really have to, like I said, you just have to kind of gauge in each league based on the offers you get and the buzz that's generated about, you know, the one-one or any pick really for that matter. I'm talking to the chat room right now. The crew here, we affectionately call the chat room here, Vin, at Red vs. Blue. Some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy and in Dynasty. Now we have high-stakes Dynasty. Uh, Code Cracker in here, if you have an early pick with that value, do you make uh, offers to others or just make it known that you're willing to deal? I say both. Uh, you know, be aggressive. See, let, let's take a figure out how active the league is. Kind of like you said, feel out the league. And if there's not a lot of offers coming your way and, you know, then, then you kind of know that you're in a, you know, you're kind of in a down league right now and, and you just kind of have to play it by ear. Uh, but uh, I, I would definitely, if I have a high pick, I'm going to try to milk the clock. I'm going to sit there for a while. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let people know that I'm in no rush and that I'm looking, uh, you know, I'm not in any, any uh, rush to deal down, but I will listen to offers and, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of my time. I'm just going to sit on the clock a little bit and see if anything comes in, see if anybody starts to panic a little bit in these in these, in these startup drafts. That's what happens, right, Ben? I mean, people start to get attached to one player on their list, and they're like, man, okay, if he's going to take him, I'm going to be screwed, you know? And they're just, they, they start getting mentally attached to guys. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, especially if, uh, say, you have something like the 1-3, and the guy at the 1-4, say he really wants, Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green, or Adrian Peterson. And Calvin goes first, A.P. goes second. You're sitting there at third. He's going to be real nervous because there's a really high chance you can take A.J. Green. And if you do, he's going to be looking for value with three guys that maybe some guys that he didn't really want to take at the 1-4. So situations like that, I've seen guys trade up one pick and give, you know, enormous amounts of value in other places, in other parts of the draft, other rounds, just because they feel like they're going to get squeezed out of the players that they want. So on a, it's, it's definitely on a case-by-case basis, but if you if the value's there, you've got to pull the trigger. I'm going to present a challenge to the chat room tonight. A couple of weeks ago, we had a uh, an excellent guest on, uh, and we talked about Dynasty rules for first-year dynasty players and the first one that can um, tell me the name or not the name but the rule the first rule of of dynasty we kind of had a fight club kind of reference there the first rule of of dynasty for first-year dynasty players if you can tell me what that rule is we'll get we'll give you a shout out and get you a get you a little prize packet sent out your way the first rule of dynasty for first-year dynasty players and code cracker <laughs> code cracker nailed it don't trade your first or second picks. Actually, I said the first. The first rule is don't trade your first round pick. Would you agree with that if you're a first time dynasty player? Yeah, I mean, if you if you're a first time dynasty player, you're going to get in, you're going to get your draft slot, and you're going to be a little nervous. You know, you're gonna you're going to be looking at you know, say you have something in the middle round or maybe towards the late like the late end of the first round, and you're going to be nervous. You're not going to know how it's going to go because. You've been drafting, if you've never done a dynasty before, all the redraft leagues, you're drafting for value that season, and you don't care about anything else. You don't care if that player retires next year. You don't care if he never has another productive season. As long as he does good that year in a redraft league, that's all that matters to you. So 
I would definitely say that keeping your first-round pick as a first-time dynasty owner is important because if you're, especially in a contest like this, there's a lot of guys here that have been doing this for quite a long time. They've done quite a few dynasty leagues, and they, they know what they're doing. So you trading your first pick it's as a first-time dynasty owner, it's more likely than not that they're going to be getting the better end of the trade because maybe they're getting some rookie pick from you or they're get, they're getting a pick in another round from you. So don't don't be enamored by, you know, the ability to trade and don't because summary draft leagues don't allow trades at all. So don't be you don't don't be so uh don't be so interested in, you know, going out and sending out all these trade offers because the next thing you know you may not have a first round pick and then you'll be stuck with guys in the second, third, and fourth rounds, and you're not going to have a true stud to build your team around. So, yeah, I think that's definitely uh, a good strategy. I would say I would amend it, actually, a little bit. I would say be open, but don't do not do anything crazy uh, with your first-round pick and try and make, you know, some crazy move that's going to set the league on fire. You would definitely, like I said, you want to be safe in the first round uh, and just, just have fun with it, really. You know, you don't want to – don't get over your head. Don't get too Don't get too nervous. It's – it's all, it's all going to work out in the end. Actually, uh, I should have amended that answer, Code. You're you're pretty close. I'm going to go ahead and give you the prize package anyway. But I my my actual first rule of dynasty for first year dynasty players is to never trade your first round rookie pick for next year. I don't mind I don't mind somebody trading out of the first round and coming into the second. Matter of fact, I encourage that. I think the first round picks are always inflated in a startup draft. And I say take advantage of value any way you can. If you can trade out of the first, get a bump in the second, and maybe get a, a move up, move a sixth up to a fifth or a sixth up to a fourth or something like that. I think those types of deals, I love them. I absolutely love them. I'll take a one. I'll I'll trade away a one eight for a two two every day of the week if I can get a bump in the sixth up to like a late fourth or something. Or, or you kind of start to look for those little angles where okay, I'll give up six picks here, guys. I'll give up six picks in the first if you give me 14 picks in the fourth, you know, something like that. It has to be big, right, the number. And when you're evaluating, when you're putting trades together, you kind of have to look at those numbers. Six in the first. I can't just give him six in the second and six in the tenth. You know, you got to give him more than that. you got to give him something significant to be able to go down from six picks in the first to the second. you got to give up something big and, and make that number big, 10 or 12 picks somewhere up in those top rounds. Uh, these are the types of things that you do start to learn uh, when you're when you're in uh, involved in the in the trades. And Ben, look, man, hey, first show for 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 you on Red versus Blue. I'm very very. We think a lot alike, my man. You you got to come back here on Red versus Blue. You this is uh this is freaking me out a little bit. Uh, Vinny Fair is our guest tonight. He's he's entered the Dynasty Football World Championship. Uh, I want to I want to first real quickly before we get back to Dynasty strategy, I want to teach everybody how to go about. Um, looking and using fftoolbox.com. If you go to fftoolbox.com in your browser right now, fftoolbox.com, you'll see right up here at the top.
Vinny, are you with me, my man? I am still here. Oh, man. Look, I think we're just having some really bad storms here. Uh, <laughs> got some power surges going on. Sorry about that. I don't, I'm, I'm sure the I'm sure the the, uh, the chat room freaked out. Code Cracker says he lost it as well, so I don't know. We uh, Maybe we had a, a pretty big issue there, a surge or something on, uh, on Blog Talk. So, uh, Vinny, uh, what I was getting ready to say was we were talking, I was talking through this uh, Eddie Lacy issue. I wanted to show people how they could use FS Toolbox to help them understand the value of certain players. So we're going to type in, go to fstoolbox.com. There's a search bar there up at the top. And then there's an, just type in the name Eddie Lacy, E-D-D-I-E-L-A-C-Y, hit search. And you guys should see what I see. You should be able to see the scouting report, which is the very first thing that appears on FF Toolbox. You click the scouting report, and it pulls up a kind of a, a wealth of information. And what you can see is where he's projected to go. It's interesting that four of our writers project him to be in to go to St. Louis. Some project him to go in the first round. Others predict him to go there in the second round. That's interesting. And then uh, the consensus is the FF Toolbox users the 1,600 users, the consensus uh, is that he will be drafted at the end of the first round by Green Bay. And, and when I say consensus, it's not a huge consensus. Only 15% of the time are he, is, is Eddie Lacy taken by the Green Bay Packers in the first round, 15% of the time. 11% uh, to St. Louis, 5% to Cincinnati, 3% to Denver. So, Vinny, I pose this question to you. If you are a 1-1 pick holder, uh, in a standard dynasty draft, and you uh, you're, you're you're thinking Eddie Lacy, where where does he have the most value on draft day? Where do you want to see Eddie Lacy end up? Oh, that's a tough one. Well, I mean, pers personally for me, uh, I know I've done a little bit of research on Eddie Lacy. I know he has uh, he has above average uh, above average catch, uh, receiving ability out of the backfield, so that's definitely something that they could use uh, in Green Bay, but. I, between the two, I would I'd, I'd lean more towards St. Louis, uh, and I'll tell you why. They just uh, they just signed Jake Long uh, from the Dolphins, so they're they're re they're fixing their offensive line problems, and they're trying to uh, they're trying to get get it done there. They uh, they know Bradford is not uh, a world beater at quarterback, so getting a running back that they can lean on if if Lacey goes there. He, I mean, he's 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 going to be their workhorse back. He's going to get first and second down carries. He may, uh, he's definitely going to get the goal line work. You know, he's a, he's a big guy, five eleven, you know, two thirty or something like that. He's a real big, strong back. If he went to Green Bay, that's a pass first offense, and, it, and that's the way it's going to be. That's not going to change if some some young rookie from Alabama comes to Green Bay. They're not going to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand and tell him to run it every first and second down. So. The more value for Eddie Lacy, I think, definitely is St. Louis because he's going to get a chance to perform right away uh, if he goes in there as a rookie, and he's going to get a lot of touches. And that's what you really want, you know, when you're 
when you're compiling your roster at the beginning of the season. You want guys that are going to get opportunities, and I think in St. Louis, Eddie Lacy is going to have the best opportunity. I kind of agree with that. I think uh, St. Louis is the is the bell cow type situation for him that uh, the 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 value will go up. If he's being drafted in the mid fourth right now, if he gets drafted by St. Louis, that price goes up on Eddie Lacy. I'm wanting a little bit more coin if I want to trade away that pick, and his stock will go up in the in the uh, in the in the startup maiden drafts as well. Uh, if he lands in Green Bay. It seems like that's kind of a wasteland for running backs. For the most part, it's a passing offense. You've got uh, you're going you're always going to have several running backs in the in the fold there, and it's just not a it's just not a running back team. It's it's, it's Aaron Rodgers in the passing game, and so uh, just uh, just a, an interesting way to use FF Toolbox to look at where people are going, and you can kind of get excited about what you're going to experience on draft day. FF Toolbox is very valuable for that. Well, Ben, look, it's been a great show. I did get a text from Mikey that uh, he will be back with us next week. Um, I, I will bring up uh, one last draft for the masses here, for the listeners. Uh, this is last year, the Hyperactive 5 draft that went on. It's a 2014 league. I was on the active side. I had the sixth pick, and I kind of waited around. I didn't make any trades. I kind of just stuck to my guns, and I took – I was pretty high. I was bullish on Jimmy Graham, so I took Jimmy Graham at 1-6. It's a, it's a standard PPR. Call me crazy, but I, I'm thinking, look, I love 90 catches for my tight end. Uh, give, me, give me Jimmy Graham. He stands out from the crowd for me. At 2-7, I took Des Bryant. At 3-6, I took Marshall, Brandon Marshall. And at 4-7, I took C.J. Spiller. Now, notice, I waited until the fourth round to take my running back. And, guys, this is a league that I actually won last year. Uh, it was a startup from last year, so it was a first-year team for me. We drafted right at the end of April, right after the NFL draft. So very same situation. So take yourself back to last year. This is when this draft went on. I waited until the fourth round to get my running back, didn't panic, and Spiller was still there, and I was so happy. Uh, this is when I made my first move in the draft. And some people say that I got a little – little too much for this deal. I did trade away my first round rookie pick uh, for the 5-4, and it looked, it appeared that most valued the first round rookie pack pick at about the sixth round rather than the fifth. So I got a good deal there. And I started to see I was at 5-4, but my normal pick is at 5-6. So I really, I, here's what I did. I wanted to obtain that 5-4. I waited till it got on the clock. I started to see that my pick was coming up at 5-6, and I really wanted Andrew Luck but I didn't want to pitch my wagon to luck in year one. And so I said, you know what, if I take Tom Brady at 5-4, I'm guaranteed to get one of the guys, either RG3 or Andrew Luck at 5-6. So I aggressively tried to get that 5-4 pick so I would know for a fact that this combination of Brady-Luck or Brady-RG3 would work. And, and it worked. Uh, I got Brady at 5-4. At 5-6, I took Andrew Luck. And as soon as I took Andrew Luck, everybody said, we knew you were going to do that. It was kind of obvious what I was doing. When I went up and get the 5-4 and I took Brady, I'm not going to hitch my wagon to Brady, right? That's too early for, you know, I don't want to – I've got to get another rook, a young guy that I can just hitch my wagon to for the next 10 years, and that was Andrew Luck. Uh, to round out the draft, 6-7, Greg Little. Look, it was a mistake. You can still win with a mistake. Greg Little at 6-7. Randall Cobb at 7-6. Uh, and this was a pick that I, I commented, another younger receiver that I'm willing to sit and wait on for sure. So I, I knew for a fact that I was going to have to wait on this kid, but I didn't. I didn't have to wait. Sometimes you think you're going to have to wait 
But if you see talent, take the talent over opportunity every time. And I took uh, Ryan Williams and Fred Jackson to round out my, my, my top ten picks. And I took Fred Jackson, obviously, because I had C.J. Spiller. But if you notice, that's pretty much the only old guy at, well, Brady. So it's a little bit of a combination of most of that whole team is, is youth, really young, producing youth, uh, with Tom Brady and Fred Jackson being the only older guys on the squad. So, uh, Benny, I'm just I'm just bringing that up because look, that's a that's a startup draft that I think that people could uh, people learn from as they listen to how we kind of put our teams together. Absolutely, I think uh, that the those first seven rounds, I I heard a lot of pretty good names in that draft. Uh, I know right now you got Jimmy Graham, Des Bryant, you said Randall Cobb, Brandon Marshall, and C.J. Spiller. Those and well and Locke too, for that matter. Those five guys. I mean, those are top 30 guys in a startup draft today. So uh, you got Randall Cobb in the seventh round. He's he's going as a, as a top 10, top 12 receiver off the board in startup drafts now. I think that's a phenomenal draft. You you said you won this year, so not only did you win this year, but you're set up to win or to you know make a run at the championship for the next several years with a team like that. And that that really you did a little bit of everything there. You you sat on your hands and you. You stuck to your guns in the first couple rounds. But when you saw an opportunity, you could make something happen in the fifth round. You went out there, you, you actively uh, you went for the trade, and you got it. And you, you're, you did really, really well in that draft. I'm very impressed by uh, that draft, and kudos to you. <laughs> hey, I got I got lucky. There's a lot of good drafters in there that uh, are in DLF and and uh, Ryan McDowell, those are the hyperactive leagues. If you know Ryan, he's uh, he puts on some really good reps. There's not a lot more on that team that I really have. Uh, I did I do have a Bryce Brown on that team that I can maybe hang on to. I have a Shane Vereen. Uh, not a lot else out there. I mean, I've got a you know, and I've got a couple of guys that really kind of came through for me when I when I was short on depth. I mean, a guy like Anquan Bolden, I actually started on a, a, maybe an occasion or two. Uh, just nearing the end of the season, for the most part, like you said, that was my starting team. Uh, they they kind of carried me throughout the year. I, but I'm very thin at running back. You know, if you the the one thing you do have to pay attention to is your starting lineup rules. And the starting lineup rules in, in the Dynasty Football World Championship: one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one kicker, one defense, and the fun part is two flex. So we've adopted the 11-man starting lineup. That's going to make for some very interesting drafts and starting lineups. Look, more fun, more players, more fun, man. You get to check an extra box every week on a guy that uh, you wouldn't normally start in a normal league. In our in our FFWC main events, Roto Bowls, and Dynasty World Championship, you're going to start that 11th guy every single week. So please pay attention to your starting lineup. you got to start th- at least three wide receivers. At least two running backs and at least you know one tight end, one quarterback. So pay attention to your starting lineup. Vinny, did you have fun, man? Oh, I had a blast. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, sorry that uh, sorry Michael had to disappear there for a little while, but uh, thank you guys for the opportunity. I had a blast, and anytime you want me to be on in the future, uh, I'd love to. I had a lot of well, fun. we're sorry that we had the technical difficulties. Usually, I'll have the phone as a backup to our system. Didn't have that going tonight, and I apologize for that. But it was. Fun show. Thank you, Vinny Farah, and good luck to you in the Dynasty Football World Championship, my man. Good luck. Thank you very much, and good luck to you, too, and good luck to everyone, and uh, let's get it going. I'm, I'm excited, and I'm ready to go.
real close to selling out the Dynasty Football World Championship. Guys, we will um, give overtime a little bit here for the Maurice Jones-Drew, Adrian Peterson uh, angle here. Uh, look, the, the reason why this is being brought up as a topic, by the way, what great guest. Be fair, man. Look, a uh, guy on the boards uh, just jumping in saying he wants to play and he's excited to play. That's the type of guy that we want to uh, – we, we we love to see jumping into this uh, into this game that we love and, and getting this thing kick started and he did an excellent job I, I really his his thoughts and reasoning and strategy really resonate with me and so I think you're going to have your uh, if if, the, if he's an example of the guys that participate over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com redrafters you better step your game up all right now that's why we put this that's why we put this starting fee this entry fee at two ninety nine we didn't get too aggressive. Because we didn't want to see guys come in here and just really, you know, steal the show. Uh, but uh, for you guys that are in the chat room, come back for the podcast. You can you can catch the replay, of uh, the uh, the overtime on Red versus Blue. But I, I do want to talk briefly about this Adrian Peterson slash Maurice Jones Drew uh, angle that I that I put here on the uh, on the promo. It's interesting because. I'm not a guy that really wants to take injured players or guys that just aren't on the field, guys that are hobbled. I don't care. You know, I'm in the ninth, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the ninth or tenth round, and I still don't want anything to do with Bradshaw. He's still got a food on. He's still got the cast on. And I'm just not a guy that wants to take the injured guy. I'd rather just take my chances on somebody that I know is healthy right now. Sometimes that burns you. Look, Adrian Peterson last year, number one back in the league and rushing for 2,000 yards. Uh, but sometimes you, you have to take a look at value, and what is value? That's the question. It's a word that's thrown around a lot. We all say we, we, we like it. Uh, we're looking for it. Get out the net for it when it comes and just take advantage of value all day long. But a lot of times you end up with a team that's not really yours. So the question is, is Maurice Jones Drew, he's going to represent value more than likely to everybody at some point in the draft, and you're going to have to say pass or play, Right. And, and that decision is going to happen for everybody. And most of the time, it's going to be pass, 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 pass. And it's going to get back to you probably again, and you're going to have to either say pass or play. So the question is, what do you do with Maurice Jones through? He's still rehabbing that foot injury every day. He hopes to be full speed by late May, maybe early June. But is this the same Maurice Jones through? We only got to see a couple of games from him last year. Uh, only one game over 20 carries, 86 carries on the year. Now, granted, 4.8 yards per carry, uh, 14 catches. There's no more rush on tennings. I would imagine that the Jaguars have to do something about the running back position in the draft, so that will predicate a little bit about what MJD is uh, up for. But, look, it's still MJD's team if he's healthy. They've got to go through MJD. Now, the only reason I wasn't a big fan of MJD last year is because of Rashad Jennings. I saw him, a healthy Rashad Jennings, as a detriment to MJD's catches, and that's what made MJD famous uh, in, in fantasy circles was the value that he really brought to the table, not only as a bowling ball with tremendous, you know, monstrous thighs and, and scoring touchdowns, but he was catching 60, 70 balls. He was a monster PPR machine. And when you start to see that start to tail off, where the offense isn't using him as much, going from 60 to 50 catches in 2009, down to 30 in 2010, and then 2011, it's around 40. Obviously, 2012, he had the issues, uh, so he wasn't able to really capitalize on that. But again, Rashad Jennings was there, and, and then he got hurt. So the question is, what kind of an MJD are you going to get? 
It's still young. He's not too old. He's got a lot of carries on him. Got a lot of carries. He's uh he's 28 years old, uh, is what he is. So he's, so is he 30? No, he has a lot of carries. He's got a lot of wear and tear, but he's still MJD. So the question is, what kind of a season, if he stays healthy, are you looking at? Uh, I think I think we all know that uh, he's a top 10 guy if he's healthy. The competition's not there. Does he have something special in him? Is what we have to find out. Uh, does he have the opportunity to present an Adrian Peterson type year? I say yes. He's still Maurice Jones-Drew, and when he plays the game uh, and he plays Indianapolis, he can still roll for 28 carries and 177 yards and, you know, a couple of catches along with that. That's what he did last year. He can, he can do that again. He played Houston and averaged five yards a carry. He played Chicago and averaged 4.7 yards a carry. This is a guy that can still get it done, uh, provided they're still in games. You have to have a quarterback to be in games. Otherwise, you're panicking. You're, you're in panic mode, and you're throwing the ball to try to get back in the game. And, and you know, hey, I don't mind dumpers. These are PPR leagues. MJD loves the dumpers, just like Clinton Portis used to love those little dumpers. MJD, he loves those dumpers, and, he, and, he, and he'll get you a lot of points that way. So let's watch the situation. I just wanted to put it out there that could he be Ben Standig, our lead uh, football analyst on FF Toolbox, is going to do a story in depth and going to do a pro and con kind of point-counterpoint on whether or not MJD can have an Adrian Peterson-type season. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. We uh, we appreciate everybody being in the chat room. It was a fun show. Vinny Farah knocked it out of the park. We had a, a few technical difficulties. We will be back next week, possibly with league assignments and draft slots for the first-ever Dynasty Football World Championship. To everybody, we wish you well, and we'll talk to you next week.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.